From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. And a very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Now, in a moment, we will be taking a closer look at anti-Semitism in the UK following a rise in incidents amid the conflict between Israel and Hamas. But before we get to this week's special, a word on what else is making news in the world of politics. Well, the pandemic remains front and centre, as it often does. Number of cases of the virus variant from India has more than doubled for a second week here in the UK. Health officials are also monitoring a new mutation of the virus and it's adding fresh doubts to the government's plans to fully unlock the economy next month. Still, the government is increasingly optimistic about the effectiveness of the vaccines. More than 70% of adults have now had at least one dose. So that's the vaccine news this morning. Now to our special programme. The ceasefire between Israel and Hamas comes after 11 days of fighting that killed almost 250 people and has again raised passions over the Israel-Palestinian conflict around the world. It seems to have prompted a number of visible anti-Semitic incidents last weekend, including threats being shouted from a car driving through Jewish areas of North London and an assault on a rabbi in Essex. The Jewish organisation, the Community Security Trust, says it's recorded 116 incidents of anti-Semitism in the 11 days of the fighting in the Middle East. That's a five-fold increase following a pattern of anti-Semitic attacks in recent years. So how big a problem is it? How does it relate to what's going on in the Middle East? Joining us, I'm very pleased to say, is Professor David Feldman, who's director of the Peers Institute for the Study of Anti-Semitism, Birkbeck University of London. Uh, David, thank you for being with us this morning. Welcome to the programme. How big a problem is anti-Semitism then? in Britain? Um, as you said, Roger, the last uh, two weeks have been, a bad, um, have been a bad period. There's been, as you said, a 500% increase over the previous 11-day period, an increase in anti-Semitic incidents recorded by the CST. This is, in a sense, both alarming and, in a way, predictable and something which we need to keep in perspective. It's alarming because it's such a sharp spike, but it's predictable because these spikes occur whenever there is violent conflict in the Middle East between Israel and the Palestinians. It occurred in a similar way in 2009 uh, when the IDF went into Gaza and again in 2014, and it's happened again recently. Of course, this predictability doesn't make it any less alarming. 
at the same time, the reason why we need to keep it in perspective is that the underlying level of anti-Semitic attitudes in British society, um, as recorded in multiple attitudinal surveys over the last decade or so, that level of attitudes uh, is really flatlining. There's really just about 5% of the adult population in the UK who one could say are either committed anti-Semites or have multiple anti-Jewish attitudes. On the other hand, there's a much more diffuse um, and uh, spread of hostile attitudes to Jews in society. Something like 30% of adults, according to this material, would assent to one or two negative attitudes to Jews. And it's these, and it's this diffuse reservoir of anti-Semitism which comes to the surface at moments such as this. So, therefore, a long history of anti-Semitism um, and, and in some senses deep-rooted. But is it a different sort of prejudice today than it might have been in the past? That's a good question. I mean, I think that the images, the ideas which fuel anti-Semitism, the negative stereotypes about Jews are pretty constant. You know, the idea that Jews look after their own interests only and don't look after the interests of others, that they have a particular fondness for money, that they're conspiratorial and so forth. These recur over the centuries. I think that what has changed is that the political location of anti-Semitism has shifted, say, over the last... that in the... In the 20th century, really, until the last decades of the, of the 20th century, although there was also anti-Semitism on the left, one would expect it to surface more on the right in British politics. And that obviously has shifted, and it shifted quite dramatically over the last five or six years. But what one needs to emphasise about the present is that if one again goes back to the attitudinal surveys, conservative voters are as likely to hold anti-Semitic attitudes as Labour voters, or as unlikely to hold. It's pretty constant across the political spectrum until one gets to the extremes of the far right and the far left. So what one finds is not that anti-Semitism shifts from the right to the left, but that the anti-Semitic attitudes which exist were once more likely to surface on the right and are now more likely to surface on the left. Well, and that's because... Yeah. Well, David, I, can I pick up on that and say, it, it's interesting, you mentioned about the political division here, and many people will, of course, be aware of the uh, the allegations about what happened to the Labour Party, and, and in fact, the reports that came out about there, where it was seen as being sure. very close to, obviously, concerns about the Palestine-Israel situation. That seems to have been yeah. the focus of it. Is there... Uh, is it something where perhaps the changing demographics of the UK, where there are more Muslims, of course, living here now, and the greater perhaps sympathy for the Palestinian cause that comes with that, although also further on the left, that that is the focus of really where anti-Semitism is coming from now, perhaps because of failing to make that distinction between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism? I think a part of what you say is, um, is right and a part 
that needs to be heavily qualified. So first of all, what I would say is that anti-Semitism on the left is, 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 is sometimes connected with forms of anti-capitalism. You know, the idea that the sort of bankers are to blame can easily shift into an idea that it's Jewish bankers who are to blame. So it's not only um, um, Israel-Palestine, which is in focus there. And you ask about the sort of changing demographics of the UK and the rising Muslim population. And this, this is something which needs to be treated with great care because the majority of Muslims do not respond in positive ways to anti-Semitic attitudes when they are presented to them. However, Muslims are more likely than non-Muslims to respond in a positive way. However, if one took the key minorities, far right, far left, and Muslims, and assumed that attitudes in those groups were the same as attitudes to Jews in the population as a whole, it would have a negligible effect on anti-Semitic attitudes across society. In other words, if we want to understand anti-Semitism in Britain today, we need to look at the way in which it is deeply embedded in majority society and not try to project it onto minorities. Mm. So, so blaming it on small groups um, is sort of inappropriate or not the right lens through which to examine it. Well, what about this point then? Is anti-Semitism worse here in the UK than perhaps it is in Europe or in the United States? Can you put in context British attitudes yeah. or attitudes of people living in the UK versus others? I think that, um, I mean, again, though, I think one needs to distinguish between the underlying attitudes and the ways in which anti-Semitism surfaces as an issue which creates anxiety. So the underlying attitudes in the UK, if one looks at the situation across Europe or indeed globally, are actually, they actually look pretty good. That um, There's no evidence that the UK is worse than other places and it's actually better than most. On the other hand, because of the controversy in Labour over the last few years, Anti-Semitism has been to the forefront of politics in the UK in ways which are atypical. And there's been a particular problem there, or rather what happened in Labour created a double problem. There was not only the presence of anti-Semitism within the left, but on top of that, there was the failure within the parts of the left to recognise anti-Semitism when it was in front of them. And it's that double problem which I think has, has uh, both created problems for Labour, but it has also created anxiety for Jews in this country. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's continue our discussion on anti-Semitism in the UK. Joining us now is Bloomberg Opinion columnist Therese Raphael. Therese, great to have you on the programme. How do you think that anti-Semitism manifests itself now in modern Britain? And this is uh, an important question given the conflict that there has just been in the Middle East. Yeah, it's interesting because I think many Britons wouldn't sort of recognize it as a problem because they don't see it in their everyday lives. But um, you know, we know that, it, that first of all, it, you know, it, it, is, it, it is a problem. There was a, you know, even a YouGov survey, I think, in January that, that showed 45% of Britons subscribe to one of six anti-Semitic tropes, um, which shows that there's sort of a low level of, of you know, prevalence. But what we see every time... There's a flare-up in, in uh, the Israeli Hamas or in Gaza uh, conflict is that you get a spike in anti-Semitic activity. So um, the Community Security Trust, which is uh, reco- which records sort of instances of anti-Semitism, works very closely with the uh, with the Metropolitan Police, recorded a sharp rise in anti-Semitic incidents in the UK. And this is mainly sort of verbal abuse, threats, you know, hatred on social media and online. Um, and if you know, if you pass by a synagogue in the UK, you'll, you'll always see a, a guard at the door. Uh, so I think it is a presence. I've heard, you know, very informally that, you know, some sort of wealthier Jews are purchasing properties in Florida as a, as a sort of hedge against a rise in anti-Semitic violence. Therese, is it to do with what the, the Labour Party got itself hung up on to a large extent, which is not really being able to make a distinction between anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of that. So there's, you know, you often hear um, in the Jewish community here just kind of frustration with being um, connected to anything that Israel does, that you sort of, you know, anger toward Israel can, can easily translate into anger and discrimination toward, uh, toward Jews. So I think there, there, there is some of that and, and, and a need for a lot more awareness. I mean, what I'd say on the positive side of the ledger here is that, you know, we have a government that has, uh, you know, been very uh, responsive to any incidents of anti-Semitism clamped down quite, quite uh, robustly, and also an opposition leader after Jeremy Corbyn. Now we have Keir Starmer, who has made a real point in uh, stamping out anti-Semitism within his party. Now, some would say there's a long way still to go, but at least, you know, it's a very different tone from the opposition. And that sets Britain apart, I think, from some of the continental European countries, France and Spain, where you still just don't have that kind of pushback. Yeah, and I suppose also, I mean, another kind of difficult question, but do Jews feel safe in the UK then? I mean, uh, as as you have mentioned, these incidences are closely tracked and monitored. Yeah, I, I'd say there are parts of the Jewish community that, that feel very wary and not particularly safe. Um, I, I, you know, we haven't seen... Um, we have seen a, a rise in, uh, in anti-Semitic assaults. I think there was a, an increase by 25%. So I don't think we can say this isn't that violence, as opposed to just sort of online abuse, isn't a problem. Uh, it's still something that the government and the, and the police force are going to have to be very, very uh, alert to and proactive on, particularly as, you know, in the aftermath of what we've just seen in Gaza and Israel. 
and, and finally, Therese, I mean, is it something that you think you feel has in the time even that you've been here got worse? Do you, is, is it on, on a trajectory that's clear or, or not? I think the data is showing that it has gotten worse in recently, over the last um, year or so. Perhaps it was, you know, we didn't hear about it so much during the pandemic. There were fewer cases recorded during the pandemic, but prior to that and you know, very recently, I think the data is showing that there um, that there is a rising problem. Again, we're also seeing a more robust government response than we've seen in the past. So, you know, we have to be uh, mindful of that. But there, you know, is clearly a need for uh, for a great deal of vigilance and you know a plan in action from the police um, and from different communities in the UK to make sure that that you know things don't get worse and indeed um, have you know engineer reversal. Therese, thank you so much for being with us. That's Bloomberg's opinion columnist, Therese Raphael. Now, a lot of fingers have been pointed at Britain's Muslim community over this. A sense that anger amongst Muslims about Britain has morphed into anti-Semitism. Many Muslims point out that their community is also, of course, on the receiving end of a lot of Islamophobia here. Well, joining us now is our UK government editor, Tim Ross. Tim, thanks for being with us. I mean, this is an issue which is clearly very vexed, the issue of anti-Semitism. Uh, is there concern that maybe it's stronger just because uh, the Muslim community here is clearly very angry about what's happening in the Middle East? Well, I think that's always going to be a question people will ask, as you say. And, and we've seen in recent days the Prime Minister asked about this in the House of Commons. Obviously, I think it's something the government's very, very alive to. And certainly, I think community relations are something that, that any responsible government would want to try to get a grip on to make sure that these, these incidents are stamped out as wherever they possibly can be. Um, how the government responds in concrete terms, I think that's something we're just going to have to have to try to tease out over the coming days, but it's certainly something that is very high profile right now. Um, and it has been high profile, of course, um, under the leadership of uh, Jeremy Corbyn um, at, in, uh, with the Labour Party. Do you think that Keir Starmer has managed to take the party forwards in a new direction? He's really trying. It was one of the first points he made when he was Labour leader, um, when, he was, when he won the election as Labour leader last year, was, was to apologise and to, and to come out and promise to, to eradicate anti-Semitism. I'm absolutely convinced he, he cares passionately about this and made a point of asking Johnson about it in the Commons this week. So he decided to focus on that when he was talking to the Prime Minister. I think that's a pretty clear indication that he's determined to do it. Whether he's got there yet, I think he probably would say that there's more more work to do and you can never stop working. That w- would be my guess. And Tim, the difficulty for the left is always this distinction between uh, being uh, strongly, perhaps sometimes opposed to the policies of the State of Israel, uh, but not anti-Semitic. And that, that's really been a historical problem, hasn't it? It was really where Jeremy Corbyn fell down on this whole issue. He, he, a lot of people felt that he couldn't really see that distinction terribly well himself, and that's why uh, some of the problems were allowed to take root in the Labour Party. And Starmer's now trying to clear up that mess. Um, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big part of the debate, and, and and one of those issues I think that you know politically, certainly you've seen some Tory MPs and Tory politicians over the years really hammering Labour for exactly that elision of those two issues. Well, I suppose we're also waiting to see if the ceasefire between Israel and Hamas holds, indeed. I mean, this is such a live issue. Um, do you think that um, once the, the fighting in the Middle East actually either goes away or is, is dampened down uh, and the ceasefire holds, does that mean that some of the tensions within the UK are then lifted also? 
I think the reality is international events do have an impact on uh, on what happens in, in countries around the world. And I, I, you know, I can't predict the future, but you'd, you'd have to say that, that, that with the tensions on the rise here and potentially in response to events in the Middle East, you, you'd, you'd hope the reverse would be true as well. So there are, there are many reasons to, to hope for a ceasefire to hold, and that may well be one of them closer to home, sure. And also, you've got a very interesting time in, in the UK because, uh, and, and Professor David Feldman was earlier making the point in the show, that the, the politics used to be that anti-Semitism was a vice of the right rather than of the left. Uh, and and that so much has changed. I mean, we're used to talking, obviously, to you often about the way the Conservative Party is reaching out to new audiences. Its position has changed quite radically. In some ways, uh, it's stealing a lot of Labour's clothes. And Labour is left with a lot of things, including, to some extent, this sort of prejudice. Yes, and you can see, I mean, certainly this week we've had, um, in, in recent days anyway, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, and, and Robert Jenrick, the Community Secretary, writing an open letter together to, to the Jewish community, trying to reassure them, um, and, you know, to say that anti-Semitism in modern Britain is really completely unacceptable, and the spike in incidents as, is going to be felt by everybody in all, in all on all sides as a stain on the UK. And I think... You know, for a long time under Corbyn, you didn't hear those kind of comments. The Conservatives are clearly out there making them now. And I think certainly under Starmer's leadership, the Labour Party is, is trying to get on board with exactly that message too. I mean, the other point here also is that many Muslims will point out that their own community is also on the receiving end of a, of a lot of Islamophobia. And actually, when there is you know, sometimes a rise in anti-Semitism, that is also... A strangely kind of mirrored in terms of Islamophobia. Um, is that also something that the Conservative Party has to deal with? Well, these issues are incredibly divisive, and, and certainly I think the Conservatives themselves have come under pressure in the past. You're quite right for, for allegations of Islamophobia, and I think no party, truthfully, is going to be exempt from 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 falling short from time to time. You can't, you can't, you can't just cannot take for granted that a particular strain of political thinking is free from prejudice. And I think it's a fascinating time in lots of ways as a reporter to be looking at, at these issues of equality and prejudice and, um, and the kind of the woke issues and whether, you know, the culture wars are really raging in more broader terms, really. Um, I think the government is responding in particular ways to particular incidents and... and you can you can sort of ask the question whether it adds up to much and whether actually in the end politicians are producing a responsible, coherent vision for equality. Um, that clearly is the government's aim, whether it gets there or not, in a way that is, is if you like, doing justice to the issue across all communities, is going to be, I think in this climate, actually a really important political issue going forward. I think it could come to define quite a lot of the debate. Uh, as, as we as we head forward over the next month and years. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, 
OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.